Mastering Ourselves, and we're with Frank Joseph today. He is the author of The Lost Civilization of Lemuria and is in general a master of ancient history. And also the author of Opening the Ark of the Covenant and many other books, 20 or more books. And he's got a new one coming out, The Ancient Civilizations of America. It's about two-thirds done. We love this guy. He's fascinating. We do other research besides what Frank Joseph uh, brings, and it seems to support what Frank's um, uh, suggesting and writing about, and, and he, he does quite thorough verification work on these kind of things. So it's not just a whimsical New Age kind of new thought, but it seems to be founded in solid archaeological science. So you were talking about a tool when, before the break? Right. The uh, ancients uh, in America, they had a, a crystal which they highly revered. It was called the Ulusunti. It's spelled U-L-U-S-U-N-T-I. It means literally the transparent one or that which is transparent. And this was a crystal that they regarded as the single most important object in their society. And they used the crystal... Well, it sounds like we're from that place. (laughs) Charmaine are crazy about We're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I mean, we love crystals just about like that. Excuse me, Frank. It's a sickness. Go ahead. (laughs) No, but it's interesting that uh, the the reverence for this crystal, the Ulusunti, uh, is very similar to uh, crystal use uh, in other societies as well. And they used it as a uh, as a device in which they could tell the future or go back into the past, or they could uh, use it to increase their psychic spiritual uh, powers, their energy. And um, this is something which uh, has, has also been lost over time. And uh, the, matter of fact, uh, there was not just one Ulusunti, there were several, and uh, some of these crystals have been found in, in some of the mounds. Some of, I think uh, the most that have been found is in two or three that have been found in a mound in Alabama, a place called Moundsville. So what Alabama. kind of crystals were they, a smoky or obsidian no, they were, quartz? Uh, they weren't smoky. They were very, very clear. They were chosen for their great clarity, not their size particularly. They weren't particularly large. I guess they came in a number of sizes. Um, so like clear quartz, like a very, point? Very clear, right, very clear. Do you, do you know if they were obsidian or quartz? I think they were quartz. They were quartz, yeah. they were quartz. You know, quartz I've, crystal. I've heard that uh, uh, Cherokees, they used to really do a lot with... Um, You're right. You're right. It's the Cherokee. Okay. The Cherokee. Uh, they, they were the ones who, uh, matter of fact, uh, they preserved the, the knowledge of the Ulusunti, and they said that this previous people uh, used these crystals and um, did not share this uh, knowledge with outsiders. Well, you know, we used to have a crystal store, and uh, we know how to sort of see what crystal works for people. And crystals all have their um, special, special qualities. Like, you know, I'll give you, a, for instance, here, I'm getting my book right now. Mm-hmm. Like uh, tourmaline, mm-hmm. expansion of uh, red tourmaline, expansion of vital force and preparedness. Green tourmaline, I can do it. It, it runs that energy through the whole place. Lapis, alive and vital force, strong intelligence and, and awareness. Pearl, mothering, nurturing female. Quartz, alive, vital force, natural support, supports nat- naturalness everywhere. You know, it's like it makes you be healthier and all that kind of thing. 
So, you yeah. know, there's an idea. We, we've got hundreds of these. But, you know, people would come in to our store, and every now and then a person was ready for a little magical spiritual connection. Power piece. And we would see the piece, and then we would hear them. You know, they'd call us or email us or write us back years, years or weeks or months later. And all these wonderful things happened from the point that they got the crystal to assist them in their spiritual journey. So, you know, even the Jewish, would they have that uh, mantle on their chest with 12 uh, uh, semi-precious stones? That was called the ephod. And uh, the ephod was a uh, garment, a heavy garment that was placed over the Jewish priest, the Jewish high priest. And the, they had 12 stones that were... Uh, they were apparently they were semi-precious stones or crystals that were set there. They were referred to as the Uman and the Thuman, and uh, yeah, yeah. the twelve. The number twelve, of course, is the sacred number. It's the number of the cosmos and cosmos cosmonic harmony. I think what you're finding out uh, in your experience with the crystals is probably very similar to what uh, the ancient Native Americans. Uh, used in their quartz crystal technology. What we're dealing with here, I believe, are um, a kind of human or spiritual technology which is not limited to any time or civilization. It's part of human nature. We respond to minerals in our environment because our own bodies are made of minerals. Exactly. The blood that flows through you, your veins is salt water. You could not live without uh, potassium and magnesium and so on. These are all literally minerals of the earth and I think that the, the relationship between human spirituality and crystals is just as intimate as between uh, our own bodies and the minerals that we take in to survive Amen uh, We have Frank Joseph with us today, author of The Lost Civilization of Lemuria, joining us on Mastering Ourselves which airs Monday through Saturday 7pm Pacific, 10pm Eastern right here on CRN Frank, I would really like our audience to have a clear concept, you know, not just a blurry one that's easy to forget, but a clear concept. Thousands of years ago, Benton, Ohio, they had this uh, big, long line with the logs in it, you know, and you can describe it. It lined up with one solstice with crystals in it, and then in New Grange, Ireland, they call it the oldest building in the world, same kind of technology pretty much. I would like you to describe those again because the man, you know, people need to understand our history books are like maybe one percent of of what's going on. I don't know that they're one percent, but I think that they're biased, and I think that they are trying to preserve a certain point of view and keeping information away from average American students. As far as New Grange is concerned, uh, it's best to envision. This uh, not particularly tall mound, but rather wide, uh, beautifully crafted, sitting on top of very high, a rather high cliff over this uh, river valley, 30 miles north of Dublin. Have you been not there, the, Frank? Pardon me. Have you been there? Oh, absolutely. Yes, it was a great experience. I bet. And uh, I'm the envious. Front, <laughs> the front of this mound is uh, very interesting, in that it's uh, covered entirely with these large. Uh, quartz crystals. Now they're not clear at all. They're they're actually very opaque, but they're beautiful. They're about baseball sized, hard baseball sized uh, mm-hmm. quartz crystals. Yeah. And uh, they reflect the sunlight magnificently, so that when the sun rises, especially, 
uh, the sunrise of the uh, winter solstice every December 21st, uh, the orientation of the building is to that particular sunrise. The, the whole mound is effused with this sort of a, um, like a cloud of, of white light. And then there is an entrance uh, that is flanked by these stones that are covered with energy symbols. Uh, mostly uh, spirals, uh, interlocking spirals, very vivid uh, imagery going on. And above the doorway... So, so Frank, I, I see spirals all over petroglyphs, all over the place. What, yes. uh, what do spirals mean? The, the spiral means that it is the, the quintessential symbol of the demiurge. What I mean by that is the the movement of life, the basic under-movement of life. For example, stars move in a spiral pattern. A baby, when it is born, spirals out of the mother's womb. Heliotropism is the spiral movement of plants as they follow the sun. And this movement... So, so we have, sp- like, spiral DNA, spiral galaxies, yes, everything. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Spirals spiral of truth... A- the movement of life, the mm-hmm. movement of life. And right. the ancients understood that, and by applying the spiral as a symbol at a place like Newgrange, which is, after all, a burial, a place where people were entombed, it means that they are not dead, that they are going only through the death as a door. Yes. And we go through several times. Yes. That is why this mound in Ireland is oriented to sunrise, on the winter solstice, right after the longest night of the year, it looks as though the death and darkness have taken over the world, and now the light is coming back again. The days are getting longer. So it's that symbolically is, encouragement. It, it's it like is to show that it is to preach in something more than words that the soul is eternal, that it is linked to the cycles of life, that this person inside this tomb is not dead. Uh, this person is just part of a the cycle that rules life, that nothing is obliterated, everything is just changed. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And, and then when you go inside this stone chamber inside of Newgrange in Ireland, the, it, uh, the roof box, as the archaeologists refer to it, admits what looks like a lance of light, like a, like a spear of light that travels along the stone floor of Newgrange and then as the sun rises and this spear point of light enters the tomb, this otherwise black, dark area, it illuminates on the far end of this tomb, on the inside, three interlinked spirals, and it points to the center of each one, this wow. point of light. Point. The engineering that went into this is remarkable. Well, it, it, it sounds like caveman technology to me. Yeah. <laughs> You know, this is thousands of years ago, and they're doing this precision, beautiful stuff. Not only thousands of years ago, this building was made, was already 100 years old by the time Egypt had its first dynasty. So we're talking 5,200 years ago. This is even predates the official beginnings of Egyptian civilization, and somebody had already reached, in Ireland, a very high degree of uh, spiritual architecture. And then after these three spirals are touched once a year, then the um, sepulcher falls back into darkness for another 364 days. And it's been doing, this is a machine, in other words, yeah. that somebody built 
5,200 years ago, which is still working, still functioning. The number three is a universal symbol for godhood, found everywhere, found throughout cultures from uh, ancient Greece with uh, Poseidon's uh, trident all Mm -hmm. the way to the Christian uh, trinity. The number three is always associated with god energy. And we have every reason to believe that the builders of Newgrange considered the three spirals interlinked as the the idea of eternal move God is in eternal movement as it were the the demiurge that I mentioned almost, we, almost we, like the Father Son Holy Ghost principles all were alive exactly we, the same thing it's yep. like these Father Son Holy Ghost whether they're Christian or Greek or whatever right. they're just cultural inflections on the same metaphysical principle that goes back many thousands of years. We're talking to Frank Joseph today, the author of The Lost Civilization of Lemuria and many other ancient history information. You're on Listening to Mastering Ourselves, and don't forget to catch us Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. Now, before we go back to Benton, Ohio, and compare that, a very similar thing going on, uh, this is close to, uh, you know, you have Ireland and England and you have the Stonehenge. Uh, is there any relationship to that? And do you think possibly this came from the Atlanteans? No, I, I don't. Uh, the way I, I, I should make this clear, the way that I work in putting these books together, I do not come up with a theory before I start writing and say, Hmm, let's see what I can find to boy up my theory. I don't, I don't think that that's the way to do it. Yeah. What I do. Because <laughs> you're going I, in with a box, a preconceived. Exactly. When I begin to write these books, I'm on a journey of discovery. That's what so I have done is it'll take me years, sometimes 20 or more years, to assemble the evidence. I have no idea what I'm going to write about. All I have is the evidence, but it's like a, a kid with a puzzle. I see all these pieces, but I have no idea what they're going to spell out. And so I begin assembling the pieces of evidence, and I find those pieces which complement each other or reference each other. This is the scientific method, the way it's supposed to be. It's also the way that journalists are supposed to work when you right. to find out what's going Whoops. on. Well, you, you <laughs> sound suspiciously uh, like a person looking for truth, actually. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Exactly. I have no preconceived notions at all. I don't go in and say, gee, I hope these are Atlanteans or Lemurians, and if they're not, I'm just going to chuck whatever evidence does yeah. with my theory. No. So I go where the evidence leads me, and if the evidence leads me against my preconceived theories or against the established theories of others, I don't care. Do I, just want to find out what, yeah. I just want to find so out what... So much for politically happens. correct, huh, there? Well, yeah, I, I just want to know what really happened. Yes. So, so what you do is you adjust for truth's sake. Absolutely. Otherwise, who cares what I think? Who cares about my theories? The theories are a dime a dozen. You know, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people out there that uh, can make a real good story and get a lot of attention because they got this profound story going. <laughs> well, that's okay too if it stimulates people's imagination. I wouldn't put that down. You know, I I, if, you know, I, I see a lot of crazy stuff too. I don't understand, but if it stimulates the imagination if they're sincere about it but that just isn't the way that I work I just don't do it I want to know what really happened oh so, sure yeah to answer your question mm-hmm. do I believe these people were Atlanteans or people from Ireland and so on no I don't believe they were it just doesn't fit in with the the time frame for these other civilizations like I said Newgrange 
was occupied and abandoned probably, you know, around maybe 2800 B.C., whereas this place in Benton, Ohio, wasn't operative until a little more than only 2,000 years ago. And I can't imagine that the ancient Irish were waiting around for, you know, 15 centuries or so before they decided to get going in Ohio. But what I do believe, though, is that these people, what we call the Adena, these giant people, and they were... The average height for a lot of them was over six feet, including the women. Uh, burials of men uh, over seven feet are common. Can you hold your thought? we got to take a break. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves. We, are, we have Frank Joseph with us today, the lost civilization of Lemuria, and he's agreed to join us next hour, so we've got more coming. Hang on.